Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm here with Christian and Stephanie Whitwer, um, who are tuning in from somewhere new in Switzerland. So you've moved recently. What town are you in now? Yeah, welcome. Uh, great to have a chance to talk to you. Yeah, we live now in Spiez, which is right bang in the middle of Switzerland, very close to the mountains, uh, German-speaking part, lovely place, little uh, beautiful we live where other people come uh, to take their holidays. <laughs> Very nice. And so you're living in community right now, is that correct? Yep. We have um, a very small community, but one that we've been um, running for, that has been running for five years now. Um, so we moved together with the other families, just two families at the moment. Um, our other friends who have three kids and us who have three kids Exactly. And looking for time and space and opportunities to expand and grow into. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So so let's let's start at the beginning, at least of your OMS journey. So to talk to us about why, why the OMS, why would you be interested in uh, this sort of missional monastic order? Why would you be interested in living uh, with the rule of life? I think when I first heard about the OMS, um, my question was not why would I be interested in it, but rather why wouldn't I be? Um, it's basically everything that is important to me as a Christian. It's it's all the the values that are close to my heart. It's um, it. There's a lot of I don't know. It it set a lot free in me. Um, for instance, you know, just even just the simple. Um, thought of having creativity as one of the core um, practices, that's just mind-blowing to me. Um, I don't know why exactly, because it seems like such a wonderful and, and central part of life, but just just giving that um, a value of its own, for instance. So yeah, and all, all the practices, they were just so close to my heart. Why not? Join not. Why not? Indeed. How about you, Christian? Well, it wasn't that uh, easy and simple for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a given thing. It's uh, I, I um, like I, I did. Uh, my first job was uh, I worked as a teacher, and then later did some theological studies and became a pastor. And I felt like basically I I have the things I need to and all the studies and everything. But uh, very quickly after starting my or taking over my role, and I felt like things are somehow missing. Or it's it's interesting like how how, how or most of the Christian belief that I learned that I have to do it on my uh, alone. On, uh, for myself so of course we have ch- we had church we had meetings but it was still kind of too big for for for, for to share with the people and, and to have time for the process so i started to look around i read a lot of things and i stumbled over a couple of other orders and then i read the story and uh, i was really intrigued by by Sinzendorf and all the things that happened and also the impact that he had in or his ministry or the the people around in in switzerland and and some yeah i kind of stumbled into it the punk monk was very important for me the book you might know that one um and i read a lot about it and so i 
kind of said, well, well sounds interesting, and uh, let's try to find uh, jump into it. And uh, I, I never regret that moment that I took, that we took the while together. Um, I think it's five years ago now, 2016 in Geneva. Yeah, five years ago. But I think, I think interestingly, I've, I've known you for longer than five years, I think, and, and or maybe just met around then, but you already as a family had been doing a bunch of exploration with different monastic practices and experiments along the way. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what your journey has been, the different things that you've tried together? Um, I think from the beginning of our relationship, it was always very important to us as a couple even to um, not just be living for ourselves. So our focus was always on, for sure, having a good relationship, um, but that should be a basis or a foundation for, for other people even, you know, just, you know, some kind of life has to happen there. Um, not only our own. So even even way back when we were just first married, we um, I, I think we we always tried to find people who who seemed like they needed a little space where they could just be, just be seen, just be whole and authentic, and um, allow them to to be part of our lives and 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 be authentic and and just normal with them as well. And I think that was sort of the, the foundation of, yeah. of that, of, of the, I guess the journey we've been on ever yeah. since. And then we started this experimenting, like you said, we, we, we did uh, holidays, not just the two of us, but we invited people to come. Then we did it as families, two, three families together. We went to France and we we had that massive, very nice, uh, huge villa apartment with swimming pool and everything that you cannot afford. But if you are five families and you all go into one building, you you can afford or for, uh, for Swiss people, it was possible to afford it, right? <laughs> and uh, so, so that was experimenting. Then we started inviting people to our home to live with us. We had students, uh, people, and um, we did a lot of research. Uh, with, with we started to to little tra traveling around and seeing other communities, and uh, something like. 10, 11, 12 years ago, we, we, we started the process of saying, okay, what is community? We, before that, we were involved in house church movement. So we were already uh, around the values of the together and, and family stuff. And basically out of that grew the idea to start uh, what we then called a monastic or a new monastic uh, place. Yeah, we we had quite some discussions about the wording, like monastic, It's at least in German, it's not... Um, um, how to say, not only a positive term, right? Uh, like every child in, in Switzerland and, or in our area hears about monastics and the monks and the nuns, and uh, they hear a lot of uh, stories about drinking and just the, not really the, the, the good part. So, so we, <laughs> we, we were thinking, how could we address it differently? And we, we thought about community or 
communitas or all the different words. But in German, a lot of those words, they, they refer much more to, to uh, love, uh, sex and rock and roll and, and hippie and kind of... <laughs> you know, growing <laughs> marijuana in the backyard and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, we thought that isn't... Well, well, we like that, right? <laughs> it's not the, the, the <laughs> helpful uh, explanation. So, so we came up again with that old term with the monastics. And interestingly, is it's a really helpful one today because when I talk to my business friends and I uh, say, okay, well, um, where do you live? Or, and, and I start to explain to them that I live in kind of a new monastic form for families in the 21st century. We try to adapt the old to the new. And they are very quickly interested and say, wow, sounds interesting. What's this? And, and they realize there has a face aspect to it. And uh, so that became really helpful uh, for us to uh, to work, and then we we started the process. Okay, well, how could it look like? What do we do? And um, uh, and interestingly, or maybe one of the key bits is that we have really cool friends. Like uh, it's such <laughs> a gift that uh, we have so good friends around us, good um, people, and we kind of came together. And there's some uh, friends they have strongly gifts in not only talking, but then saying, okay, let's start philosophy philosophing about things just try to make it practical and uh, boots on the ground and so kind of together we were able to um to achieve, uh, to to buy a place a land uh, we, we built a house on, on the land next to that land we or there was already existing buildings that belonged to other families we knew and so we were able to move in and build the new one and something like 10 years ago we started the, the manor house community in uh, Steffisburg, switzerland uh, as uh, I think at that time it was six or seven families and a very beautiful place still still running um, some people change but still great crew great friends and it became a little bit of a of a place to go and see how it could look like and interestingly a lot of uh, yeah even more people coming showing up and say oh we have that dream we have that passion we would love and uh, so for a lot of them it was helpful to come and see like one aspect or one version of it it's not the like the only way it's just, uh, again creativity is beautiful and there's a lot of possibility to run it but it's just one place to go and see and taste uh, how how it could look like and that totally uh, transformed our lives like also a little bit in unexpected ways but uh, <laughs> and since then we live in community it's now more than 10 years um stephanie mentioned we after five years we we we, we uh started a new plant, like a second community. It was called Stadtkloster. Um, and then five years again, uh, this spring, we had to move out because the house, the landlords uh, wanted to renovate the house. So in a short, yeah, basically the maybe last 20, 30 years was all around people and, and process and, and discipleship and, and together and, uh, yeah. And so you've been exploring different practices. I mean, I've I've been to Manor House. I've been to both of your your houses, and it was so so wonderful for me to come as a guest, as a pilgrim, to experience your life together. So those houses, and then the prayer rooms embedded in the houses, and beautiful garden in the middle where you could offer hospitality. And and um, talk to me a little bit about the how how you experienced and how you practiced hospitality in that context. Um, there are different aspects or different kinds, I guess, of guests. 
So um, I, I think I think the thing when people talk about hospitality, I think one of the the mistakes we make is to think, okay, well, when I invite people, my friends over for an elaborate meal, that's that's hospitality, right? That's um, you know opening my home to people. Um, and I think that's one aspect. It's a beautiful one of it of of hospitality. Um, I've discovered though over the years that there's just so much more to it. Um, and it's it's been a learning process for me because of the way um, I grew up as well. Um, although my parents always had a lot of guests around the table, um, still there were certain rules. There were there were certain things that um, we wouldn't show anybody, you know, so the mess in the back room, you keep that door closed. Um, or, you know, things that aren't running well, things that haven't been set up properly. You never let anybody into, you know, a, an unclean house or an untidy place. It always has to be perfect before the guests show up. Um, you know, if, if your food isn't perfect, um, that's really bad. These kinds of things, which, I mean, to, to do my parents justice, they've also been working on, they've, they've been on that same journey. So they're not like that anymore. But when I was growing up, it was definitely like that. Um, and, and I've just discovered that, you know, having people around means, well, or hospitality to me, I guess, means um, opening my whole heart and my door, even if I haven't tidied up, even if my house is a complete mess, um, and letting people come in and say, okay, here you are. It's not about my apartment. It's not about my house. It's not about my mess. It's about you. Um, so just offering people space to be themselves, to become themselves maybe, um, to discover who they are, or offering myself the space to just, um, you know, spend time with somebody to find out, oh, this is to recalibrate in a way. Um, By the way, that could be a spiritual practice for you if you're listening and you want to challenge yourself. Try to, like, next time, if you have a mess in your apartment, like we do have normally, uh, like all the, the, the clothes are laying around, not folded yet, and all that stuff, just stop a moment and invite someone in that moment to your house. And see <laughs> what it does to you, and, like, you invite them, and you start to explain, and I'm sorry, and normally it would be better, and kind of all that stuff happening. And while you try to, to excuse yourself, you start to reflect and say, well, why do you excuse? It's just like, you know, that, that's this me. Life. That's just life, right? We, we are, and we, at least for us, we still have that tendency that we would like to show others our polished life. Uh, mm. But the moment you invite someone to a polished house, it's kind of a little bit awkward or like, uh, and, but it's beautiful to see if people come to your unpolished house, how they react totally different. So they see that the, the clothes on the table is not folded yet. So they say, oh yeah, okay, well, let's have a coffee, drink. And then there's a, then they start to help you fold the laundry. And they have the most beautiful discussions that you will not have in a polished house. So, sorry for interrupting, <laughs> but it's a really cool challenge. Try it out and give some reports on how it, <laughs> what it did to you. <laughs> the messy hospitality homework exactly. assignment. Fantastic. Oh, so, so good. So there have been different kinds of guests over the years. There have been the ones that have, 
turned up completely unannounced and unexpected. Um, usually in the worst moment possible and um, <laughs> where, where you just have to sort of take a breath and then say, welcome. <laughs> you know, I, I really have to run out the house in five minutes, but come on in. I'll show you where stuff is. You can stay here for a bit, that kind of thing. Then they're the ones um, that, you know, complete strangers. We've experienced this so many times over the years. Um, the people that have somehow found out about us and have gotten in touch with us through other friends or through the internet, whatever, have asked, can we come visit you? And this might just be for a meal and it might be for, you know, to spend two weeks living with you. <laughs> and we usually say yes, if it's possible at all. Um, and, and they've just been the most beautiful moments, the most beautiful relationships that we've formed there because it's just, you know, unexpected. It's just it's just unexpected gifts. What I love about it is um, not feel learning to not feel like I have to have the answers or I need to show the way or I need to be the one who's giving something, but just being surprised again and again by how much God has given me through through these visits, through the people who have come and shared food or our house or whatever with us. Mm. And then there have been the other ones that, um, like the students that Christian talked about, um, who, who lived with us over longer periods of time. So there were students here and there that, that we shared our home with. And maybe one more remark from my side here is what we had, uh, uh, we had a, in the early stages, a beautiful or a kind of difficult, beautiful discussion around who should we invite or who, to whom would we open up our homes? Mm -hmm. Because we had, um, like at that time, we had small kids, small girls, Stephanie being at home. I was uh, traveling around Europe for a job reason. And so there was like, like um, alcohol, uh, men with alcohol problems, elderly men, or some uh, struggling with, with, with violence. And uh, we felt like, oh, we should invite all of them. But very quickly we realized, well, we cannot do that. And then we had that, that fight inside of us saying, well, we should invite everybody, but we have limits ourselves, kind of what is healthy for us. And what we did as a community and as a couple, we defined a little bit of rules. So at the moment, we do not allow or we do not invite everybody or like for staying longer, because like we, we have limits ourselves since we are not full-time pastors anymore and Stephanie's working I am working we have limited time so we like we cannot invite someone that we that needs a, a, a scheduled daily rhythm or we are not psych psychologists or psychiatrists uh, mm -hmm. and sometimes people like they would like to come and um, yeah so it's it's maybe it, um, it's challenging but I think it ha we are allowed to to set limits. We shouldn't have them like rules forever. We need to be open and spirit-led and make maybe an excuse here or kind of exception, exception right? Uh, but just it, 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 is, it is a healthy part to also say no. And sometimes people, when we talk about hospitality, people think we, we need to just everybody, everything, every time. I think, no, it's okay to have a no and they're okay to have kind of rules uh, because we, as a community, as a couple, we, we need to go there long run and there are limits. So this is a, it's a, it's, it's a challenging discussion, but I think it's very helpful as a family, as a, as a couple, as a, as a community. 
Yeah, I think that's really good when we're thinking about hospitality and we're talking about living within our limits, right? Our phase of life, our capacity, just talking about the complexities and, and safety and, and all of that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you just have to have the conversations and you have to keep having the conversations, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, as situations change and as situations evolve. No, that's amazing. So, so one part of your story in terms of practicing hospitality was that you had some refugees living with you for a while. Do you want to talk to us about that? It was one of the main reasons that we moved out of the manor house and founded a second um, or that, that new plant. Was, there, were, there were other reasons as well, but this was one of the main ones that we felt led to live in a house that had become available um, and also host refugees and have them, you know, t- just to help them arrive in Switzerland, learn the language, learn to deal with the culture, find out the quirks and the strange things about the Swiss um, and how to how to survive the Swiss. Wait a second, there are quirks about the Swiss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> ask, ask, ask the guys who lived with us. This was one of the moments where we really had to put our faith versus these structures that Christian just talked about to the test because we had at the time um, three girls. Our, our youngest is now um, 13. But so five years ago, she was eight and the other two were just, you know, they were just in the middle of puberty. And um, so we decided we wanted a family to, to come live with us. And, and we very quickly realized this wasn't, well, through different discussions, um, we were very quickly confronted with the possibility of accepting four young men. And so we said, oh. <laughs> Arabic men. <laughs> exactly, from you know an Arabic background. And so we felt like this has always been our rule, that we wouldn't, wouldn't do this normally. You know, they'll be living with us. I, you know, our, do we have to change our whole culture? Do we have to start wearing, you know, long dresses us girls no no we're not going to do that you know how how much what are we going to do are we going to say yes and finally we we just felt like this gentle but persistent nudge from god saying hey try it out just try it out you can always say no this is not good but try it and so so we did and it was the best decision of the last let's say the last six years of our lives. (laughs) So it was, um, it ended up being so beautiful, even after just the first weekend when they then had to go away for a week because of the refugee process in Switzerland. So they came, when they first arrived in Switzerland, they, they lived with us for three days. And then they had to go into the refugee program, the, the official one from the country. And we had no power over what was going to happen. So we didn't even know if they would, after this process was was done, would they be allowed to come and live with us or would they be sent to a different canton, so a different province or, or state, as it were, of Switzerland. Um, and so even after that, all our kids were crying. They were like, why do they have to go? Oh, we no. love these guys. We want them to live with us. We were crying too. And um, they've just become like our girls' big brothers. Yeah. And, and you know, just the most beautiful, and I, I don't know, we just feel so abundantly blessed by, by this story that we've experienced with, with the, the four of them. Yep. So. And the beautiful thing is it was the two families, so the Biglers are good friends, and us, 
taking care of the four together. So again, if you do it alone as a, as a family, it, it seems... Uh, might have been a bit overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, too much. But if you can <laughs> More so do it as it a community, that's beautiful. And then we had the Manor House community praying for it basically every day. And, and like, yeah, it was, it was such a blessing. And uh, these boys are still in Switzerland. Um, they are um, next year, then can apply for a full uh, citizenship. Uh, very well integrated. Yeah, they, they speak German very well. Uh, they all uh, doing an apprenticeship or they already finished it. One of them is a very beautiful story that the oldest, he, he did an apprenticeship and then he did a study as a mi migration specialist worker. I don't know how that translates, but something like that. So he is now uh, helping new refugees coming into Switzerland. And since he processed himself, of course, this is such a, a difference in the high value. So really lovely story. And um, yeah, beautiful Christians. Um, some of you who listen, you might have seen or heard the story. Uh, they, they love to come to 24-7 conferences. Um, yeah, and great guys. And uh, one of them, the youngest at the moment, is uh, part of a of a program called the A300, Adventure of the 300, where we try to train people to start new communities. And he is touched by the idea and he himself now wants to, to become a, a founder or a co-founder of, of new communities. So it's something is kind of multiplying, which of course is very beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's part of your vision, isn't it? Not only to just live this lifestyle, which you guys have been experimenting and exploring for almost two decades now and and then now through this a300 course sort of multiplying that out inviting other people to to to, to step into these kinds of experiments can you talk to us a little bit more about that program yes lovely uh, sure <laughs> a300 is uh, it's it's um you can it's not not, not like a resident school uh, it's 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 modules and at the moment, we are reworking it a little bit. And the idea is that you would join a community, an existing community out of our network. So there's a community in Germany, Polylux. There's one in Holland, the Stadtkloster. There is a couple in the French-speaking part of Switzerland. There's some in the German-speaking part of Switzerland. And that network is growing. And so you would kind of join that community. And while you join it, while you're part of it, there is kind of modules added to it or reading classes or reading groups uh, to it. And then we would explore on kind of the basics, like, uh, like from a church history perspective or kind of from an ecclesiological view, how is kind of monasteries and churches and everything fitting together and why does it make sense or not sense. Uh, we talk about core practices. We talk a lot about the OMS as well. So we invite all the participants to become part of the OMS because we think it's, it's a great and uh, important tool. Um, as an as a A300 team, we also facilitate a roundtable where we try to bring people together. And yeah, it's a great opportunity. If you're interested in, uh, give us a call or find the website. It's, we'll, it's we'll, put the information, we'll put the information in the show notes so people can find it Perfect. You know when yeah. they, they do yeah. it. So it's the A300. Yeah, target group is uh, something, yeah, it's good if you've grown up <laughs> somewhere between 20 and, uh, I don't know, 80. Uh, we have different people, um, uh, also a lot of OMS people. And um, yeah, it's it's not spectacular, right? It's but it's it shows you how it works. You 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 um, you we have models on, on with the different communities so you can go there and see it and 
maybe here again, it's we are we, we really discipleship is such a key thing. So just don't just talk about it, but come and see and taste. And that's what we try to do with the with the A three hundred that you have an opportunity to come and see, live along, and and feel, see like what it yeah if God is speaking to you through that thing and you might want to start on so our, our dream as a 300 would be that we can uh, help to to uh, connect to 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 uh, and to start or to inspire new communities all around uh, the globe to, uh, to arise wonderful and then so the when is the round table happening in august so the 27th to the 29th of August in Switzerland. Yep. Fantastic. Um, so if you're interested, if you're interested in new monasticism or if you're a practitioner, or if you're part of an existing community, so we can all, all can come. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're fully invited. We know still with the COVID situation, uh, the traveling, we'll need to have close look at it. Um, this year, we are uh, at the moment uh, organizing, planning that we can have a live stream. So that will be an opportunity for if you're not able to join that at least you could uh, see a little bit on, on the internet. Still working on that. So um, uh, but it, it's, it's a dream. Um, what is very beautiful is that we, we feel in the spirit that um, especially for the French speaking people, uh, that there's something new to start. So we have... Uh, it, it's it's English German, uh, but it's also in, uh, translated into French. And uh, over the last years, more and more French speak speaking people uh, showed up. And at the moment, we are kind of getting ready to launch a, a new community in the French speaking part of Switzerland. So uh, team team people who are willing to to move there somewhere next summer or so. And very exciting news. And we kind of hope also that God will bring people uh, to that gathering. We can get to know you and maybe God is putting puzzle pieces together. And so it's, uh, yeah, very interesting. The theme of the roundtable is resilient faith, resilient church. And uh, I think it's, it's a key thing. Uh, if you want to, to start a community uh, to, to reflect what aspects do we need to have that it will be a resilient community, not just yeah. a, like a very uh, like a happy uh, thing for one year and then everybody is burned out. Uh, but what do we need to, to, uh, to organize and, and to cultivate that it can be a, a long lasting uh, thing? Wonderful. So resilience, so important in the life of communities. Mm -hmm. I think you and I were reflecting a little bit before we began to record today on hope as well. Do you, should we finish with that? Do you want to talk to me about what God's saying to you about hope? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, um, like uh, at the moment, as we record this session now, we have a lot of rain in Switzerland. And uh, so it's... Uh, um, uh, Flooding is already happened and more will come in the next hours, in the next uh, days. And this is this very difficult situation. And, you know, Swiss people, we are over uh, organized in sense of we have all the insurance and everything. Like basically nothing can happen to you that you are not having insurance and somebody's paying. <laughs> that uh, has a strong impact on our, on our culture. But, but now things are happening that we cannot control. 
it's huge it's water it's like and it's threatening people's life it's threatening people's home and uh, so this morning uh, on, on the radio there's the news about all things happening and one sad story is coming in after the other and things are breaking cars are breaking homes are breaking stuff is falling apart people invested fortune and they're losing everything it's that it's that that uh, situation and then they they had a guy uh, from uh, uh, who, who talked about that he just lost his house and but he was this uh, somehow very relaxed guy and he choked about it and he was really um, laughing in, in a positive way and, uh, and, and he said well, you know yeah it, it, it's tough yeah it's tough but you know it somehow also shows us a little bit how vulnerable life is and isn't it true that life is vulnerable and that you try that we try to to make everything stable and, and organizing everything uh, to, to kind of to hope that we, we can do it alone and he said but that's it's just a big lie and if we are honest all of us know it's a lie in the end life is vulnerable and and to be confronted with that fact again he said has also some beauty in it it has saying well there might be even some higher powers uh, uh, around us who are in charge and the funny thing is what happened is the guys the the, the radio the MCs on the radio they reacted very funny and also we were sitting in a car listening to it and we felt like yeah, he's right. And it's kind of even like we, we, we sat up and like or even our body reacted to it. It was such a powerful message. And uh, so they keep on playing that interview now all day in Switzerland uh, because wow. it has just this hopeful, positive aspect. And um, yeah, while preparing or praying for that meeting, I, I, um, I, I was reminded to, to that radio interview this morning and I felt I would like to share it with you guys. And I know there is big struggles out there, personal struggles, community struggles, financial struggles, uh, political struggles, South Africa struggles that just in the news. It's all, all the things happening, uh, very sad, uh, uh, difficult stories. But there is that God who's there, who knows, who loves us and uh, that he's with us and that, that he cares and he knows and he sees. And um, I, I was so encouraged by this. And I, I, I dream of that we could as churches, as, as communities, as however, whatever form there is, that we could come little hope, uh, um, hops of hopes. Oh, my English, hops of hopes. <laughs> Hope, <laughs> uh, that, that we could have those places where people can come and being vulnerable uh, in our vulnerable uh, hospitality and together we can keep on struggling and, 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 and be, yeah. Just reminding each other of that it's normal. Our place in this universe is not, you know, we're not on top, we're, we're this small. And... Um, God is in charge, even though it doesn't always look like it from moment to moment, maybe individually, but still just reminding each other of, of that yeah. of that truth. But the cool and thing is living in community, like if you struggle and if there are a lot of people around or a bigger group that someone is not struggling at the moment, <laughs> and that again is very hopeful as well. So I think it's kind of a lie that we should live all alone that we should manage all alone, that we should be super Christians all alone and everything alone. I think a key uh, kind of a second conversion for me is to realize it's not about being alone. It's we do this together, right? Not I do not live for, for myself or alone. 
We do not live for ourselves. That's right. wonderful. Oh, you guys are so good. Love to hear your stories. Love to see how, you know, why not join? <laughs> why not join? And then just your whole journey of exploring and experimenting in different shapes of community over the years that have given given, you know, uh, uh, lived out your desires and your longings for community and a life shaped around the gospel, <laughs> you know, these Jesus-centered communities, and now multiplying it out and, uh, and sharing that. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I have so much love and respect for, for you two and your community. I'm wondering, do you think you could pray for our listeners here as we draw it to a close? Sure. That'd be great. So they're going to pray. I was going to say, you were saying that they learn German, Swiss German. And, and I had a friend who moved to Switzerland and somebody told him Swiss German is a heavenly language. It'll take you until heaven to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah. One of the things the Swiss like to say about their language. <laughs> <laughs> so could you, can you pray for us in Swiss German? That'd be all right. Sure. Okay. Vater, Jesus, Heiliger Geist, danke dir für das Interview, für das Gespräch. Du siehst, wer immer das jetzt so lost und wer das gehört hat, welche Nachrichten oder welche Teile davon ganz wichtig sind, dass du das ins Herz hineinpflanzt, dass es wachsen kann, dass es zunehmen kann, dass die Hoffnung in ihr Herz kommt, dass es Ermutigung kann sein kann, vielleicht in ein gemeinschaftliches Leben einzutauchen oder vielleicht mit dem Orden anzufangen oder etwas zu vertäufen. Ja, du tust dein Werk, Vater, das du angefangen hast. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the Order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go.